Welcome to Emotional Support, Patrick. You are coming all the way from Colorado. That's right. Denver. Good old Denver. I got a fun fact for you about Colorado and you playing for University of Colorado. My mom, back in her day, was one of the original pom-pom girls for University of Colorado. No way. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So she was so excited that this was happening and she was like, oh my God, the Buffaloes, right? You were a Buffaloes? That's right. Yeah. That <laughs> so, is awesome. Isn't that so funny? So yeah, she's like a Boulder girl. Um, she's originally from Chicago, but yeah. And all of her best friends, like still to this day, were all DGs with her and just- That's funny. The so good old go. DGs. Yeah. Good old I know, DGs. I know and exactly then, where the house is. Do you really? Oh my God, that's oh, yeah. so cute. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, no. So she was a pom-pom girl and it was like her favorite thing. And I don't know. That's that's my fun fact about Boulder. And then you're from up north, right? That's right. Where are you from up north? So I grew up in like San Francisco, right outside of like across the Golden Gate Bridge um, in Marin County and then high school in Sacramento. So I'm from Los Altos. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Originally, I was born at Stanford, um, okay. but I moved here to LA like between nine and 11. We would go back and forth and then I was permanently here. But I was like, oh my God, this is so weird. Like yeah. not a lot of so, people are from up north. That's right. I didn't realize that yet because I was actually, so a lot of my family lives in San Jose. Okay, so yeah. most of the time I was traveling between San Jose, San Francisco, Kind oh of that whole area. You started your career, you were at Boulder, you were a football player, and then yeah. you became a professional football player. I know nothing about the NFL. I know totally. everything about the NBA. I know nothing about the NFL. So yeah. <laughs> I would, my like my rough analogy, because I don't know much about acting, right. but it would okay. be, it would be like, it kind of felt like my NFL career. I got invited up to Seattle and I was kind of like an extra and then got cut and was down in Newport beach and I had ruptured a tendon in my wrist. <gasps> and then that basically ended the career. And that was kind of where all the emotional shit kind of happened right. at that point. Um, Cause then- And I assume I, that you'd been working your entire life doing football, right. like peewee football and- it was your whole world. So I can't even imagine what it would be like, like being an actress, like having, like losing my voice or something permanently, because that's what it would be like. And then you're like, well, what do you do now? You know, this that's is right. your whole life. You've been doing this since, I mean, I've been doing this since I was nine. So like, I can kind of right. relate on that sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're, and then like, I, I honestly, I had thought, and we'll talk about, it, but I thought the transition would be a lot easier. And just being like, okay, great. Like you're done acting. And once that day comes, I'll move on to whatever. And uh, especially when all my buddies at that time, I mean, um, you know, Scotty was dating so-and-so and Mark's over here doing this and that. Right. And everyone like, I didn't, it would have been better for me. Like when you graduate as a senior in college to then enter the real world and right. seeing everyone go straight to nine to fives, all stuff. I didn't. I mean, those boys. Well, were especially I feel like Mark Sanchez, right? Because I don't know anything about football, but I do know that he's one of the best players, I guess, at the moment, right? And it's like, yeah, I know he and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, who I'm obsessed with. So that's like the yeah. only football that I know. 
That's right. No, I mean, that's where he got for a while there. I mean, especially just because he was a Southern California boy turned New York Jets. So his two media outlets were New York and, and LA. Wow. And then, um, and it was just like, I was kind of say I was so blessed to be a part of all the things I was, but at the same right. time, like, you know, my first job, I was, I was thought I was gonna go to law school. And uh, my first job was a host in a restaurant in Newport Beach. And oh so gosh. I went from like living my dream to now I'm pouring water for people getting yelled at. And Oh my God. Uh, what restaurant are... were you at? I love Newport. <laughs> okay. If you ever go to Fashion Island, like yeah. in over there, there's a Irish pub called Muldoon's. Okay. It's like right on the corner and it's been there forever. So you went straight from the NFL to being a host. Yeah. That was my first job. I was studying for the LSATs yeah. and I, right. and I had, I had a cast on my hand pouring water and totally thought that like the world was in front of me and little did I know, like it just became an absolute shit show of a journey. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so I can fun. only imagine that's when depression and isolation, everything kicked in, especially seeing it. everyone around you like that. Totally. Wow. And yeah. why did you want to be a lawyer? Was that something you always wanted to do? I thought so. Yeah. I had, kind of always aspired to it. And then, um, but the problem was that it was 2010, 11. And I'll never forget, I like took my, I took the LSATs, was about to start applying, but that was right at the end of that, like financial crisis of 2008. So then I started reading the news articles that were like, basically everyone lost their job and went back to law school. And I was fortunate to leave college with zero debt, now looking at a shit ton of debt, and no job like employment afterwards because it was yeah. so impacted. And I was like, forget that. So I ended up doing commercial real estate, but it just like, oh, that's kind of where speed wobbling out of control just because I didn't know right. what I wanted to do. Right. Oh my gosh. I can't yeah. even, I can't even imagine how your world would be flipped upside down because I think about this all the time I'm, I, and I'm very lucky that I'm a working actress and I'm consistently working but I also look at my life and I'm like I did not fucking think I'd be here at 33 I think we're the same age and I was like I had no idea I'm like 32 or 33 I feel like yes I'm 33 I have to keep doing the math in my head I went to go get a COVID test and I told them I was 31 and put the wrong date and then I'm a, like I'm actually like a math genius so this was so embarrassing and I had to pull out my phone calculator to put in 2020 <laughs> minus 1987. I was like, yeah, wait a second because time has stopped and I refuse to believe I had my birthday during COVID. Um, <laughs> anyways, like when's your know, birthday? May 29th. Okay. So March, March 19th. Okay. So yeah. there you go. So we had, so you, oh, you kind of had your birthday right when everything was going down. Oh, like the world had just exploded. I was like, oh. we were still in that, like, I felt like I was living, I don't know if you watched Lost. I felt like it was like in the hatch where like <laughs> those guys are in the hatch. Like that was like four days after the world shut down. And I was like, cool, man. I guess uh, we're like, not awesome. doing a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah. I mean, so I have no idea like what, what anything is, but I look at myself, I think because acting completely shut down um, and now it's finally coming back, but still like, not really. I mean, there's no auditions. Everything is so unconventional now. And yeah. I had this moment of 
the first month of quarantine, I was like, I'm doing amazing. I'm going to work out. I'm going to learn a language. I'm going to get my real estate license. Like, bah. um, and then I hit such a dark, like downfall because I had so much energy and I'm bipolar. So I have manic episodes. Yeah. So it was like super high and then super low out of nowhere. And then this past like six months plus almost a year, I've been thinking like, well, what would I do if I wasn't an actress? And it's totally. this terrifying thing because that was a real possibility because no one knew how the business would go back. You know, people had jobs already and that's the only thing that really has come back. It's not really new stuff. It's TV shows that have already been on the air and people who have already been series regulars. And it's like, well, what would I do? And then this panic came through because I didn't go to traditional college. So I don't have a proper college degree. I was like, what? I, do I invent an app? Like, what is it that people do? You know, yeah. and it's, and I'm lucky my mom's a very successful real estate agent. So I was like, well, maybe I'll go work for her. But I had that moment like you of what the fuck am I supposed to do with my life? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's, and then, and I will say like through the transition part, it was so tough. Cause it was like, I didn't, I went into commercial but for the longest time, I really struggled because when you're so like for you, you're so passionate about acting for so long, you, you'll do whatever it takes. Then all of a sudden wake up and be like, I, I've never once given a fuck what somebody pays price per square foot on their commercial right. office space. Right. So to get up at like 9am and be like, I'm ready to take over the world. Like that wasn't it by any means. And so when you right. live something so passionately to then all of a sudden be like, I guess I'll dive into commercial, like sounds cool. And then you right. really get into it and you're like, I don't, I really don't give a fuck. Really you're like, don't. this is not. And I feel like you must've still had such a passion for football. When you had your injury, did you ever think that it would get better enough where you could play again? No, because uh, at that point I, I was out for like six months and then there was a whole new class of junior and seniors in college coming out. So right. I was easily replaced. Like it wasn't even, uh, I knew once that happened, it was slim chance already, but then right. that was a, it was game over. Oh. Um, yeah. You know what it reminded me? I read, uh, have you read McConaughey's new like green light book? No, but I hear it's amazing. He was talking about, I, it kind of like made me have more sympathy for acting where he was talking about how he went through this transition and when he got pigeonholed in rom-coms, Mm -hmm. And then he had to make a decision of like, I'm done unless I get to do what I want to do. Right. But it was kind of like what you were saying when all of a sudden you start to like, look like that could have been a wrap for him. If, if he totally only been wrong rom-coms, how do you like get out of that? Otherwise you're in this position of like, okay, now what? Like now yeah. what do we do? That yeah. It was, it was a phenomenal, it was super interesting. I love that guy, but I would recommend it. It was like, pretty interesting to kind of dive into that world. It'd mean more to you than it was. I heard him talk on Howard Stern. He interviewed him, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about the book. And it was so fascinating about the whole book and what he was talking about and his parents' relationship and their dynamic. And he, he was like, I don't feel like it was abusive. And Howard's like, I feel like you have a lot of trauma from this and you're not acknowledging like how traumatic your childhood was. And he's like, totally. no, it was okay. <laughs> I, he did one, I forget who he did it with. Was it like Joe Rogan or someone where someone said, uh, you know, you don't, it's interesting because you're so open in your books. If you don't open up about it <clears throat> and his like comment back was, it was like, I don't want to, um, shit. Like, I don't want to like glorify or to put light in a, 
in an aspect of like, it's done, it's over with. I don't want to like give it something more than it's not. Right. And it was kind of one of those where like, either that's real true and or there's some serious shit going on there that <laughs> you don't really you want to acknowledge. not processed anything <laughs> going right. on in your life right now. Like that Still process. Do that. Got it. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it, keep that's it right. going strong. Oh my gosh. So totally. when you started doing commercial real estate, you were like, this fucking sucks. You hated it. How did you then become such a mental health advocate from that moment? Oh, that was not, a, yeah. So what ended up happening, I moved, um, I was in Newport and then Scotty and I both took jobs at CBS television uh-huh. uh, in Sherman or Studio City. Um, he was in the writer's room of CSI Cyber and then I took a job. So many CSIs. How can you keep track? So many. I know. I was like, which one is it? Um, and I was in the production department. I took a job with um, the head of, I was his executive assistant. And which actually kind of beat me up in another weird way. So it was like kind of appealing to be like, do I want to go move to LA? And I just kind of want to be in that scene. It was so cool walking on the lot. And at the time they were filming Last Man Standing and yeah, the, I'm I'm walking right by Tim the Toolman Taylor. I'm like, I love yeah. you. You're yeah, my you're idol. like, this is crazy. This is the best thing of all time. And they got the the talk or whatever CBS thing is. So like that part was exciting. But then what started to happen was I started getting lumped into this category of like one. I'm Kevin Berg's assistant, and I I came in. I I had no idea what the application process is for that thing. Right, like I right. Little did I know afterwards. Like I knew Kevin from before and. It was a good, he was like, a, he's like a second dad to me now. But there was a lot of people that all of a sudden, anytime I'd go out and like, you work at CBS and it became this quick, like, how could I plug Ooh, them? How could you're I help fancy. them? That's right. 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 Had nothing to do. And, and I didn't care. Like I could care you're less. You're like, I don't know what my job is. <laughs> I don't even know. I just answered the phone for this guy in the office. Right. And he's a big football <laughs> fan. That's all I know. And, yeah. um, and so I, I quickly started to just like, not, I, I ended up hating LA like with an absolute passion. Wow. And, and now we were, uh, I was talking to Kevin about it recently. I started, that's when I started to develop my eating disorder and became super restrictive. And he texted me after that, the last interview I did. And he was like, dude, a lot of that shit was going down in my office. And like, we used to joke about it and make fun of like, we didn't know. And like, he would be like, oh, come on, let's go get food. And I'd be like, can't blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I can't believe that happened on my watch, like it was just so interesting. But at the time, especially in like 2013, males with eating disorders was not a thing. And uh, it's like still not really a thing. That's why this is like the my, most mind boggling thing that you are so so open and honest about it because it's something that's never talked about. So, totally. but anyway, sorry, keep going. I yeah. just like, no, it's not even no. 2013, it is <laughs> 2021. Like, this is happening, you know. Totally. No, that was like, so that was the thing. So then I ended up so crazy. I left CBS. I, I truly hated LA, like with an absolute passion. And um, I ended up moving to Mexico for two years. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so Mark's, Mark's guy, we, get, we started going down to Puerto Vallarta and I got to know a lot of guys down there one of which was like a big real estate developer. And he's like, came to LA and he's like, dude, if you hate LA so much, why don't you move to Vallarta? And I never got to study abroad. So I was like, why not? And I was yeah. like, I'm close enough to home, but being a whole new world, blah, blah, blah. So I moved down there, but that's where I really started to like 
go through this depression piece. It was like, I'm going to go move away and find myself type thing. Which and is almost the mom, worst thing because you're just escaping from your own reality. And that's just, right. I was yeah. trying to run from everything and just kind of yeah. like cliche, find myself. Then my mom died unexpectedly. Oh. And that's where like shit went off the deep end. And that's where wow. it became like suicidal, isolated, eating disorder at an all-time peak. And I randomly heard a podcast about this thing called eating disorders. And I was like, wait, what? And it was like life-saving. But then that was where, and long story short, when I looked up and I was like, wait a second, males can get eating disorder. No one's talking about it, any of that kind of stuff. And slowly, as I started to go through recovery, um, I just kind of started talking about it. And it's kind of, it's kind of messed up because I, people always ask me a lot of guys that are going through recovery, like, dude, I want to be even women. I want to be an advocate and I want to talk about it. How did you get started? And it literally for better or worse was just because I was the male athlete that mm -hmm. it kind of took off and mm -hmm. under no, it's not me. It's not my personality. It's like, I was the only one talking about it. Right. So right. there is no, there's no blueprint in it, but it all of a sudden started kind of pick up a little bit, but my whole like purpose behind it was just because especially going from what I had seen through athletics and even like the Hollywood piece, um, especially, you know, I always kind of say like the Hugh Jackman Wolverine and, and I don't know for sure, but a lot of those guys are on some serious shit, you know, and, and I, right. I do know a lot of studios pay for it and that, that much Whoa. I do know. Like, like there's a lot of like, they'll pay for a lot of like extra stuff. You need to be this cut in three months and you're on film. Otherwise you're out, like we'll cut you. So a lot of like, a lot of guys will go to extremes, but it messes up this body image thing when you're just standing in the store at checkout and you got Hugh Jackman on the cover of Men's Health being like, your average Joe can't achieve that physique. So it became right. really interesting. And um, that was kind of, when I started to look around, I was like, I just want to talk about it because it was so, I would just beat myself up so much thinking it was just me and not realizing it was something mental, um, especially when it got to like the depression piece and all that stuff that, um, yeah, it just is like a huge passion of mine now that. Were you controlling what, I mean, Obviously, I'm not an athlete, but from what I can decipher and having family that that I have family that are huge swimmers, right? So I yeah. and and they do Ironman, right? My mm -hmm. uncle is like 68 years old and he's number two of his age bracket in Ironman. And I'm like, so, I yeah. can't walk around the block. Like I'm like so That's unathletic. Right. Um, but I I know that starting at a young age, especially my cousin, Eric, who's a swimmer, he had to watch his diet. He had to take care of his body. You know, everything had to be precise, especially with swimming, right? Because you have to have a certain body to be able to go under the water and be as swift as competition as you possibly can be. Um, was that something that you were aware of beyond just I guess my question is beyond just taking care of your body for the NFL and for football and for college. And even when you were younger in high school, do you now look back and go, Oh wait, that wasn't me taking care of my body because of sports and being an athlete. It was because I had needed the control of my body and needed the control of my mind because that is what they say. Um, and I'm not going to generalize it, but it is what they say for uh, eating disorders, that it is all about your mental health and it's all about control. That's right. Um, <laughs> so I think the hardest question for when someone asks me is when did the eating disorder start? And a lot of it with sports, especially 
you know, the endurance sports like swimming, but football, any of that kind of stuff, it kind of like induces this disordered eating that it turned into eating disorder. But when it really kicked off for me was when I was done. When I had my wrist injury, I lost my identity. The one thing that I could control, and it only became worse when I moved to LA and I'm hanging around with all these people, going to Beecher's Madhouse, doing all this crazy shit. And I'm the guy that's like, yeah, no, I, you know, I work in, I'm an executive assistant. Like, fuck's that, what's that going to do for you? Yeah, right. Like other right, than like right. people just want a job. Um, so the one thing I could control, I was like, okay, if I'm not going to be in the NFL, I better look like I'm in the NFL. And again, especially when my buddies are wow. running around with these chicks and I'm sitting there like, I'm worthless. I'm basically just so-and-so's friend. I better have a body that's going to like be okay, like attract the women. And it became so like, I couldn't control shit in my life, but the one thing I could control was how hard I would work out and what I would eat all trying to gain this like unattainable body image. Um, and then that's where you start to dive into like perform like steroids, HGH, any of that kind of stuff. Like I always say, if I could have afforded it, I would have been on an absolute heartbeat, like no question. Right. Cause I was at that right. extreme. Um, but it, it 100% was about this control and then going through when you start to binge, it was so crazy. You live 23 hours of the day and in, in such strict rigid and trying to control whatever you can to then all of a sudden you'd go off the handlebar and it was like you for an hour or 10 minutes could like let go. Cause you're right. so wound up. You would let go. And it was like the most amazing out of body experience of all time. Like it was kind of like this weird mushroom trip. And then all of a sudden you come back and you're like, Oh shit, what just happened? You're looking around, right. there's wrappers everywhere cereal boxes, all this shit. It's like an overdose. And all of a sudden you're it's like an out of body experience. And you're like, yeah. what happened? <laughs> uh, what happened? You snap back into it. And then all of a sudden you're like, now you're going to beat yourself up harder because of what just happened. But for that 10 minutes, it was the most amazing experience of all. You got all this rush, all this craziness. Right. Trying to find control in a weird way. But yeah, it was 100% um, like a body image control lack of identity scenario but on the flip side the crazy part was everyone's applauding you for how strict you are like how good you eat how hard you work out right. and how great you look little right. did they know like you're in this like weird fucked up mental state when was it that you were open to tell your friends about it gosh honestly that's probably like you're like still not yet but they'll uh, hear now <laughs> honestly honestly that it like that is it's funny if you put me, <laughs> so I did like a, a TEDx talk on it and I have zero trouble talking about it worldwide, but not right. worldwide, like whatever, just yeah. put it on YouTube. Don't give a shit. Sending that link to like my best friends is probably one of the hardest things of all time. Like wow. I could talk to somebody, anybody about it. That's fine. But truly sending it to them is tough where it's just like, because they were in the thick of it with me. And every time they're like, dude, what? Like, how is this? Like, yeah, I, I thought it was weird you would do this stuff, but like, really? And like, even right. when Kevin wrote me, my old boss, he's like, dude, it's really hard. Like, I'd love to joke about it now, but it's really hard to look back and be like, man, that was right in front of me. How did we not know? But like, no right. one did. 
you know, so. Well, no one does, but then they also feel this guilt complex of, well, I could have done something to help and maybe right. Patrick wouldn't have been, you know, depressed and maybe he would have been able to stay here in LA and maybe he wouldn't have escaped. And there's all these like, what if I did this? What if I did that? But, you know, it, it's so heartbreaking, but like they can't, you know, they can't take a fault because it's no one's, it's not even it's someone's fault, but it's your own issue that you had to go through. And if you hadn't have gone through this, you wouldn't be here having this conversation with me, with other, you know, male and females, but especially males, because it's not something that's talked about. And especially a football player, you know, it's not like you're, you know, I don't know, some, any, anyone else in the world, you know, talking about it, specifically being a badass athlete, you're like, oh, you're supposed to be a man you know right. you're supposed to be like bulked and like get, get bitches on the side and like all totally. this stuff and you're like well here's the truth <laughs> you know? yeah really it's actually so and that's why i think i appreciate so much about what you're doing especially like i think they're like sports and hollywood and singing like whatever it is anything that has a spotlight can totally be glorified but it's everyone's dealing with it and i think especially from what I've seen, when you reach certain levels of success and, and finally get to that kind of level, it becomes really hard and really dark and isolating. Like, right. you know, we have a lot of the same friends and, and I would say a lot of them have gone through their own stuff as well. It looks like right. they're living this amazing life. That's what you'll see them until all of a sudden it gets so bad that now they're on right. the headline for some really nasty shit that everyone's like, wait, what? Right. You know? How did like, this happen? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How so did you, for, for, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. I've actually had another um, guest who came on. He's a dear friend of mine and I'll send you his episode, but he is an actor and he talks about how he was uh, bulimic and he had never told anyone, not even his mom. He had told one person, sorry. And he brought it up on the podcast because he wanted to speak about it. And he's like, Oh shit. Like it's, I actually said this out loud. Uh, okay, mom. Well, totally. this is what happened to me. Surprise. Um, yeah. Surprise. And he's like the most gorgeous guy. And you never in a million years would think, oh my gosh, he has a body issue. Anyways, it's a fascinating episode. What, what was my whole point of this? Oh, but I think that the question that I always get, and it was a question that he didn't even have yet because he didn't seek the help um, because it was the first time that he actually properly, properly admitted it to himself and out loud But the questions that I got from that is, especially from the male viewers, is, well, what's the step? You can acknowledge that there's the issue. You know, I can hear other people, a lot of people will talk about eating disorders, females especially, but what do you do? You know, do you check yourself into treatment? You know, because the other thing is, is if you aren't 60 pounds, right, when you're supposed to be 100 pounds, um, is it, people aren't going to be like, oh, you're not crazy enough or you're not, you know, anorexic enough or you're not bulimic enough or you don't have totally. enough problems. So what would you, what did you do, A, and B, what would you recommend um, to those listening for that next step? That was a yeah, long I, question getting to one. No, <laughs> no, I, it's, and there's a, <laughs> I wish my answer was going to be like, oh, it's a, it's a quick and easy step. You know, like, we, nothing what, is quick and easy on my show. Let right. me tell you, nothing. That's, that's what, that's what I thought. So when I found out, I ended up reaching out to the person and another, the, 
the doctor that was on this podcast that I heard I had reached out to and I started looking up eating disorders and I found this amazing doctor. She's a dear friend of mine now. She's a, uh, she was the head clinician at um, Columbia at the time and now she was in San Diego. But wow. I had reached out to her and said, hey, just via email, like so random. She had never heard of me, talked to me, anything. And I was like, I think I may have this thing called an eating disorder. Like I'd love to pick your brain about it. It's like, well, okay, let's hop on a call. I don't know how much I can help you. And at the time she lived in New York and I'm in Mexico. So we get on the phone. She's like, look, I can't diagnose you. I can't do anything. I'm like, okay, great. So let's hypothetically speaking, there's this guy that played football, gets cut, mom dies, lives in Mexico. Like, what do you do? So like, yeah, okay. It sounds like there might be something there. No, and really? Yeah. She's like, but again, I can't help you. And I'm in Mexico. I'm like, I can't go down the street. Like everyone speaks Spanish. I can't go get therapy right now. Right. Right. So I moved back to San Jose and I started seeing the doctor that was out of Stanford. And I thought, I honestly thought it'd be show up, tell me what to do. I've made it this far in athletics. Like just coach me and I'll, I can do this. I got the willpower. Well, it ended up being about like 32 weeks of twice a week therapy and trying to, especially when you're bulimic, because that was what I was, um, trying to normalize your eating patterns. Like there was two sides of it, right? So I was trying to process and handle loss of identity and the death of my mom, but I can't address any of that until I fix my eating patterns, right? Like my brain won't even actually right. work properly because I'm going through the day, I'm avoiding breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and like all this shit. So it took me about 16 weeks to, to truly normalize my eating and start eating like you normal, like you should. Right, right. Um, Not thinking about diet, not thinking about any of that kind of stuff. And then about week 16 is where they're like, okay, so now let's talk about mom. And those type of things. Now, so the, now it, the second, right, right. Yeah, now a whole nother wave of shit's gonna happen and hopefully you don't revert because back to your eating disorder. Because you were always dealing with your eating disorder pre your mother passing away, right? So it's not like, obviously this sped up the process of how terrible right. it was, but it was something that you were already, it was already an issue that you had been living with. That's right, yeah, yeah. So it became a whole nother bag of worms once we started to dive into those emotions. Um, but it, it truly, I mean, it took me, call it that was like the dedicated meetings with therapists trying to go over the whole open book and then it took about a year or two of like serious work ups and downs and it was never yeah. perfect um to finally getting to a place of like okay the relapse is gonna happen but success started to show up where it was like i didn't truly beat the shit out of myself when it happened mm -hmm. it was like okay i'm not gonna go the other extreme now i'm gonna process this go through it and then now being in a place where like food doesn't, it's not a thing for me anymore, but it's still like, I mean, I'm the biggest advocate of therapy and all that kind of stuff just because emotion life can be really shitty sometimes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, that's my biggest, so long winded answer of saying, I wish it was go to a therapy session one time, but like anything, you just right. have to go and find your person and really trust the process. But especially if it comes to eating disorders, the one thing I have been blessed with is I've been around so many phenomenal doctors in the like mental health game now, but also just specifically eating disorders. Finding a, a therapist versus finding an eating disorder specialist can be two totally separate things right. where it's, it's very unique and you need to find somebody well-versed in it because otherwise it honestly could set you back further 
than mm-hmm. just not even touching it. Um, so it's, it's different in that regard. Like when I finished my eating disorder therapy, I found somebody new for just mental shit. Cause mm-hmm. like they were great for that purpose, but not so much like, you know, and I still love right. them. And but you I, it was need different... tools like in a whole toolbox. It's not just right. one person that's going to cure you. You need specialists, you need people. So I feel like I'm sure there's websites that you can recommend as well that have, you know, specialists on there or help for eating disorders specifically that we can, you know, put on here. And uh, so many people I know are going to just resonate so much with this episode because it's something that is not talked about, especially coming from an athlete. Cause it's one thing I think coming from an actor or, you know, someone like that who has to be, you know, gorgeous on, on camera. And it's another thing that someone it's, it's literally your heart. It's your well being. It's how you're taking care of yourself. And it's wild because, you know, knock on wood, it's probably for the best that the NFL didn't go as far as it did with you because something really serious could have happened to you throughout those years. I assume, especially now what we're learning, what, what football players are are going through with their own mental health now, especially with whatever it's called when they're getting all the concussions and all these new things are coming. It's like so complicated. I don't, I'm not even. It's a a whole nother language. Yeah. It's a whole nother language. And how did you get to do your Ted talk? What is your Ted talk? Like, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So that thing, again, kind of going back to what you had said, no one's talking about males with eating disorders. And so I kind of took the stage a little bit to slap around the eating disorder community um mm-hmm. for lack of a better term but my whole thing right Slap now is, around just do it Slap that's, that's right i feel like they needed a wake-up call as much as they want to say you know we're trying to diversify and get the awareness out there and my whole talk i started off and i said uh the first email i ever got from that doctor she's like oh, i'm going to send you some stuff read it if it resonates let's meet when you're back in california i was like great the headline read males with ed and i was like okay, for sure not opening this, not gonna open that. Cause I was like, I want nothing to do with erectile dysfunction. And no, oh my God. Yeah, right. So now imagine right. if and you're, that's if where you're your a standard man, goes. yeah, right? right. Like, so I'm ready to come to the table and talk about this super scary fucking thing called an eating disorder. I don't know what's happening in my life. And then now you're inundated with this messaging of erectile dysfunction, literally like the biggest medical providers, like. Denver somehow I just happened to land in the city with like the hotbed of eating disorder world, but it's like ED care, ED plus, EDR, EDRC, like all this shit that's like, okay, I get it. Like it's a, it's a minute point, but it's when you're a male already trying to step into a female dominant world, last thing you want to do is compete with erectile dysfunction, which is like the worst thing of all time. You're so like, then, my computer's going to be hacked and everyone is going to think I yeah, have this crazy problem. <laughs> that's right. I'm not trying to like dive into that. Like you're already like, that's it. I'm out. That's you're like, I have an hurdle. eating disorder. Let's not keep that's adding it. this on right now. <laughs> that's, okay. That's it. That's my it. dick is and fine. Then, <laughs> that's it. I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm already like battling with my body image. Like the last thing I want is some chick thinking <laughs> I have erectile dysfunction. So then, and then you type in, let's just say you get past that and you start to type in eating disorders. You're going to be inundated with all these images of a 60 pound white female. And you're like, dude, right. fuck this. I'm out. And all the fonts pink and it, and, and, and which again, I always feel bad saying it. Cause I know that it, that's, that's its own demographic in its own right. Totally. But, but for a male, was, that's not what you're going to relate to. 
That's right. And you're not going to believe it. So like my, my Ted talk was, it was an intro on the journey as you're like going through it as a male. And then it kind of broke into like my actual parts of my actual story to just like bring up that males and athletes get eating disorders. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I had found out about a TED talk opportunity at CU and I did it at the TEDx CU event two and a half years ago. Um, and it was, I mean, it was awesome. I never realized how stressful that process would be. I thought I'd just get up there and talk and it yeah. was intense. Um, I can't but, even imagine. Yeah, it was, it was like 18 minutes of like a pure script and I'm not an actor. So it's like, you have to like stick to your script and it was, it was tough, but it, it was awesome to actually kind of get up there and try to just talk about the stigma is behind and like what prevents males from talking about it. Right. 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 So, yeah. It was interesting. Oh my gosh. So what is next for you? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like on, this is my, I'm in a weird spot of like, this is my absolute passion and I love talking about it and all that kind of stuff. And for a while that I really dove into it, but then I felt like it wasn't necessarily organic. So I was trying to, it became more of a business and it was passion. And I don't want right. to do things to just sell a program. Like I don't want to do things right. to afford the house type thing. Right. So I don't know, like, and, and the other part, like a lot of um, clinics had tried to partner with me and that's a whole nother world where all of a sudden now you're representing one and I didn't go to like in-house. Right. They wanted me like, go up and talk about it. We'll pay for you to do this, that, and the other. But when you're done, give a plug for our, you know, clinicians right. and the therapy. I'm like, that wasn't my story though. And like, right, right. I don't really care where you go, just go somewhere. So, so I don't know. I'm at, I'm in this weird point right now of trying to figure out what to do with it. But I do know for some reason over the last couple of years, it is just like keeps popping up and would love to do something with it. Um, I don't know. And more on like the mental health side, less, I don't want to be just pigeonholed into the eating disorder because that was a huge part of it, but it was a lot deeper. I mean, that was just, that was just my symptom. Uh, well, an eating disorder is mental health issue, hundred percent, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was, I'm 33 now, I was like 22. And yeah. there's certain things that as a child, you know, certain things that happen at this age, certain things that happen uh, when you go through puberty, certain things when you hit like 20, like there's certain signs, right? But yep. bipolar disorder was not talked about when I was young. And so no one really knew. They were just like, oh, this is wild, you know? Um, totally. But the, the number one way to diagnose someone who has bipolar disorder as a female, I, I'm, I don't know as a male, but I know for me is uh, anorexia. Um, and bulimia from the ages of like 13 to 16 um, during puberty because it's all about control. And that's something yeah. that people with bipolar disorder have, or at least I've been told, I'm not a doctor. Um, people always write in and go, that's not true. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, same. okay? I'm just like speaking <laughs> what I know or what yeah. I've been told. But that was a, that's a huge way for them to say, 
okay, well, let's take this eating disorder. Let's take this and let's break it down. And this could possibly be, you know, something, but I never had that issue. Um, so that's why it was even trickier to kind of diagnose and figure out what could be the problem. And I was misdiagnosed with, you know, severe depression and that was wrong. And I was mismedicated and that fucked my whole life oh, up. So and all yeah. these other things happened. Um, but so I didn't know, I, I and I still don't know anything about eating disorders other than friends who have had them and people who have come on and shared their stories. And that's why I feel it's so important for, yes, for you to talk about mental health, but specifically continue on that totally. journey because, you know, a lot of people have depression. A lot of people are bipolar. A lot of people talk about this now. Now it's like the cool hashtag to talk about. Um, <laughs> but- but, um, you know, m males, especially in the eating disorder world, it's not spoken about and it is all one and the same. So I, I just say continue on and keep doing it in an organic way. But I know even just if you did like a post a month on your Instagram, you would inspire so many people. Um, I appreciate that. You would, you would really do it. Um, I'm going to ask you our final question. Um, yep. Patrick, what is your emotional support? Gosh, <laughs> it can be anything, please. Yeah, I would say, honestly, it's definitely my wife at this point. I Cute. think, yeah, I know. I was like, oh gosh, here we go. Um, the fact She'd is, be like, Patrick, I, I can't believe that you didn't say my name. <laughs> that's right. What do you mean it's your walk in the afternoon? No, um, I think, I think, honestly, it was so the best part about actually opening up about my story was always um, once I started to date Steph and because I had given talks previously, we met online on hinge when we started, she, before we went on that first date, she had my name. So she logged it in and you know, I always kind of joke now, like people know my story before I even know their first name. It's very easy yeah. to just like type in like this dude with eating disorder. Right. So out the gates, it kind of like, I didn't show up with like baggage six months down the line. It was like, right here's me. It's a pretty open book. Um, and either take it or don't. And so now Steph has kind of been that like rock to just kind of always be there and open up with. And, uh, she's just been so supportive throughout the whole thing. So it's definitely, definitely been my wife in that process. I think it's so awesome that she was so open and, you know, it is funny because I used to always open with, when I went on a date with a guy that I was bipolar and that's how I started with my husband. The second sentence out of my mouth was I'm bipolar. You can either deal with it or not, but like, let's that's not it. waste any more of our time. You know, honestly, I mean, that's how it was, but I was never like that before. And I tell that to people who listen all the time who write in, you know, when was the moment that you said something? I believe truly you say things right away. And obviously yours was out in the open. So anyone could look, but I truly believe you be who you're, be who you are, be open and honest because it's going to suck six months down the road. If then you're finally open and they're like, no, this is too much for me. So that's right. I, it's either they're going to like you or not. And if, and if you wait, it's like, why put up the facade and like being fake around it? That's something so personal for you. Um, that again, if, I'd rather know upfront, either you're in or you're out. And if you're yeah. out, great. Like I wish you nothing but the best, but it's not going to yeah. work. And I don't, let's not waste each other's time. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's, I could not be more of an advocate for that one. Right. Just being open and honest. Well, you have given us all hope that, you know, <laughs> 
Even being as fucked up as we are, you could be happily married. <laughs> totally. Even during a time of COVID. That's right. Even during a time of COVID. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. And you've been an awesome guest. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Emotion. Al. Support.